Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Director of IBM Digital Assets and CTO of Portal. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another podcast of Beyond Bitcoin, where we discuss all things crypto and how this technology-led revolution is shaping our world. My eloquent co-host, Derek, is out today. He's at a conference. But joining me as my co-host is Mark Witten, who is the Chief Investment Officer of Portal Asset Management. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Nitin. Enjoyed the, the last the last Beyond Bitcoin we did was, was really informative. Really looking forward to, to understand and um, getting to spend some time with Tim, getting him to understand um, Pocket Full of Quarters. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mark. And yeah, it was, it was a great show. And I think uh, great feedback from, from the last uh, chat we had. So joining us today is our guest, uh, Tim Tello. I've known Tim for quite some time. In fact, we've been meeting in a coffee shop in Austin, discussing all kinds of things. Our initial meeting was to me a bit iffy, but then I looked into what Tim was doing and I think it was something completely cool and it's become more and more relevant as Metaverse takes center stage in the crypto element. So Tim is a CEO of Pocketful of Quarters, a blockchain evangelist, an investor and, and many things to add to his resume. But looking more into what he was working on, you know, the mission of Pocketful of Quarters is turning wasted coins into opportunities for players and video game publishers so the question that I kept asking myself, is it gaming? Is it NFT? Is this place to you know, play to win, play to earn? Let's have Tim discuss his project and his vision around the universal currency and gaming ecosystem, which he led out to be. And to me, uh, I, I viewed that as a, an interoperability challenge, but I think Tim has taken this to a whole new level. So Tim, welcome to our show and tell us a bit more about Pocketful of Quarters and your journey to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. Um, you know, POQ is really the, the trendsetter in what is now kind of being called the metaverse and the video game space. So back in 2016, we started working on the idea of uh, a free-to-play gaming model with well, using blockchain. Um, you know, when I saw that Fortnite came onto a free-to-play console, the U I, I knew at that point the U.S. was going to have to go free-to-play because once one kid has a free game, all games are going to have to be demanded to be free, right? You can't, you can't deny the, that the, the users are going to say, okay, well, they did it for free. Everyone else has to do it for free. So then at that point, you know, in-app currencies are going to have to go into games. And the rest of the world had already been using in-app currencies on mobile, right? The rest of the world was mobile free to play. You know, it's the biggest, it was the biggest industry outside of the United States. And so the one problem I saw was fragmentation. There was 2 million titles, but not one title shared a token. And the reason for that was because before blockchain, there was no auditability. You couldn't yeah. find out where the token was purchased, where the token was redeemed, how the token was used, et cetera. Uh, and the blockchain provided that. And so what most people don't understand is that video games, even though there's a publisher, there's also about four or five, maybe six developers that worked on that game. They all get revenue shares depending on what happened in the game, where it happened in the game. Um, there's waterfalls. So they, they understand where, where to cut it, where the marketing costs are, et cetera. And so before that, it was very, very hard to, to figure out a way 
to create to, to eliminate that fragmentation. And, and, and on the second point, it, it really was a publisher model, right? It was good for the publisher. They they could literally create 100% tariffs from going from one game to the next. And so when they created a new game, all the money, all the currency, all the items, everything that you had built up, well, you had to leave it and move on, right? And yeah. it, it, it just wasn't player-centric. And so what we wanted to do is create a token that would be more player-centric, more, more value. And so the greatest uh, comparison is Roblox, right? Roblox has done basically a centralized version of what we're doing. Yeah. But they have a the, the difference between us and Roblox is they have um, confined themselves to an app. They say that they're never going to come out of the app. That app is their 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 heart and soul, and that's where they're going to be. But they've proven a lot of the success of our model for us, right? Um, before Roblox, the LTV of a game, video game player was about two dollars because everyone was whale hunting. They were looking for people that would spend five thousand, ten thousand dollars in a game and just become addicted to it. And so the average player would spend about two bucks before. The, and then the average, about 3% of players would actually spend money in games. Roblox <laughs> is 50% and the average LTV is $300. Wow. And so they really show that you could, you could make this so much bigger if there's more value for that token, right? If it can go more places. And so there's thousands of yeah. games in Roblox and make no mistake, the lifeblood of Roblox is Robux. Yeah, sure. So, so let me tease this out a little bit, right? Because I've been looking at this and it's a complicated, I'm not a gamer. I always have to go back to my son because he's a gamer. He understands this stuff. And what's yeah. interesting is I, I actually asked him the other day, I said, hey, why don't you play Axie or play something that you can have pay to earn? He said, dad, uh, Ether is too expensive. Now for a kid to make that association, I think it's, it's brilliant in its own right. And I, I, it made me think the level of understanding the kids have. So as a non-gamer, I looked into this and looked into the wall gardens, as you mentioned, Roblox, the wall garden, that everything is happening in Roblox and it's happening in Roblox. And some of the thinking around metaverse, and I'm not talking about second life and virtual world, but about metaverse, which is the ability for us to traverse through different universes or token networks and be able to realize the value as we go back and forth between different networks. One thing that I looked into when Microsoft acquired Activision uh, we talked about Blizzard, you know, many of these sort of gaming companies. One thing that came to sort of uh, light during Metaverse is ability for me to take these gaming artifacts, uh, the skins and the swords and all the artifacts that gamers play and need. And my thinking was not so much as fungibility, which is where I think Pocketful of Core is heading, but more towards ability for me to take from one gaming ecosystem to another gaming ecosystem. So my interaction, my collections, my points, my reputation, all the things gamers care about is ability mm -hmm. to move from, let's say, Roblox wall gardens to a different wall garden. And, and that bridging allows me to be able to, and to me, that was some sense of metaverse, you know, or, or metaversical sort of engagement. But I think you are really going after something which is Uber to that, which is a layer above to say, hey, here's a fungible unit of token that's valuable in any of these ecosystems. And I can take this as a US dollar, I've to go to different countries, your pocket full of quarters mission was to make it sort of fungible in any ecosystem. Is that is that the right way to think about this? Yeah, and I think also, you know, we have to look at it in terms of uh, publishers as well, because yeah. we're, we're not only just having quarters, right? We also have a white label solution for, for publishers to be able to create their own token on their own side chain that they don't have to share with other publishers, right? 
because it, you, you, if you're EA, right, you don't want to share your user base with Ubisoft. And we're not at that at that point in history where that's going to happen. I think if we think about Ready Player One in terms of how that that dynamic is and that future futuristic, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic world. Well, maybe at that point, you know, there's enough games, there's enough uh, digital content to actually, you know, service the industry in one place so that one coin is, is the kind of the king of all coins. But as of right now, there's so much value that EA brings, there's so much value that Ubisoft brings, there's so much value that Zynga brings. Each of those are their own ecosystems and they own, they need their own token. And so our, our platform and our technology it has a white labeling solution. And um, by utilizing our SDK and our OAuth, you can instantly create your own token on your own chain. And it's the best part about that is it's 100% compliant because we have the SEC no action letter. We have the patent for the use of blockchain and gaming. And so when you do that, you know, your game's going to be accepted into Apple. Your game's going to be accepted into Google. And those distribution platforms are absolutely ideal and, and you know, important to these publishers. And right now, if you're an Axie Infinity, you can't get into Apple or Google. And you don't have the distribution. You're all you're all on the web. Uh, you're getting downloaded from different Android marketplaces, etc. Yeah. So so for the audience, uh, SDK is software development kit toolkit, which is basically a plugin when you develop software and it ties into the you know larger ecosystem and I think some of the other elements that uh, were talked about in this case is ability for them to have the distribution element, which is a gaming going going through Apple ecosystem versus having you know on, on its own standalone. So one thing on that. So is it fair to then compare um, this that you know that while and I'd like to actually tease a bit more into how you get SEC no action letter, and if that's no action letter is for pocket you know pocket full of quarters or is that implied to a white label solution too because white label solution then relies upon the token economic models of people who are using you as a quote-unquote software, which is the SDK component that you talked about, right? Or is that mm -hmm. the token, um, you know, help us understand so, so how the no that action letter is The no action letter is based on the model, right? The model of which we have created to uh, make tokens interoperable and, and, you know, as a, basically it creates a consumer product the token has no par value outside of its ecosystem. And that's the difference, right? People ask, why don't why not just use a stable token or why not just use a utility token? Well, because this token has no par value. It becomes a consumer product. Consumer products then able to be sold to children, to be able to be sold with a credit card or that bolt. Those things are important and vital to the video game industry. And if you don't have those things, you know you're eliminating yourself. Like your son said, if you don't cover the gas fees, it doesn't make sense to you. But a kid understands if you hand him twenty dollars in Roblox, Robux, he has twenty dollars to go spend in that game. It's exactly the same in, in quarters. The difference between us and Roblox really comes down to how big is our art easel, right? We don't believe that you can confine the gaming world into one into one app. We we have partnerships with Unity, Unreal, uh, Playfab, Lumberyard. So we we create this ecosystem that's be, being able to be built outside of just one app, but through all gaming engines and you can create whatever game you want and still be able to apply our SDK and our OAuth and, and have that interoperability. And, and again, for the audience, OAuth is the technology that's used to create identification that's understood by, by, by you know, different yeah, ecosystems. It's the web, ahead, it's the web two, web three, right? It's making Correct. web yeah. two accessible on web three. That's what an OAuth is. It, it yeah. makes it 
you know, if you have an email, if you have a Facebook, if you have a Discord, a Twitter, whatever yeah. that is, it's helping you move into Web3 without you ever really knowing you're doing it. And I think that's very important for the, the onboarding of what's happening um, today. Mark, you had a question, Mark. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, th thinking about where, you know, where we are now and then where the ball's sort of going to be in, in a few years. We, we've been looking at, recently we looked at a, a token called Luxo. And they're kind of envisioning an, an ecosystem where you have fashion, um, gaming, design, social media, they all kind of intersect. And they're kind of mm -hmm. building out the infrastructure for that um, within the metaverse. You know, if you look at Fortnite, a lot of the cash rates is obviously on, on skins. Um, mm -hmm. do, you, do you see yourselves collaborating? I'm just trying to figure out in terms of monetization and, and growing margin, getting that network effect. What are the kind of plans? Where do you think the industry is moving towards? Well, I, I think we're, we're coming to a, a point in time where digital consumption is going to outweigh real world consumption, right? People are going to be buying more digital items in the next five to 10 years than they will be buying in the real world. Um, and I kind of look at it in terms of like, you know, the best products of the last 10 years are products that have helped you stay home. Think about Think about this. Like, you know, you have DoorDash and Uber and Ring and you know, we're becoming more and more confined into our houses. And with that being said, in order to, to present who you are, your personality and in, in what's becoming, right? The metaverse of, of what is becoming, you're having to buy these digital items, these skins, these goods, these things. And it's the same as you would do if you were going to school and you were buying the new Abercrombie shirt when I was in high school or the new, you know, I don't know what kids are wearing today, but you know, they, they changed quickly, <laughs> but you know, it's like, you know, the new, the new shoes and new things, but it's all digital. It's going to be all digital consumption because, you know, we're becoming more and more confined to our homes. Facebook was so revolutionary because it was the first time you can interact with friends on a, you know, MySpace was closed, but really interact with friends, understand what's happening on a personal level from your home. And that's why Facebook took off so quickly. And, and, and it keeps, you know, we keep evolving that. Now you don't have to go to a restaurant to get food at your house. You don't have to go to your door to see who's there. You just look at your ring and, and talk to them from the from inside. Very true. Very true. Yeah, I was, I was listening to an interesting podcast webinar the other day. Um, it was with Kathy Hawkins and it was something also on Peter Thiel. They were talking about the seven deadly sins on how the seven core motivators, you know, like as you're talking about DoorDash, it's gluttony and then lust is Tinder and you know, envy would be uh, Pinterest or Instagram. Sloth would be, you know, Uber, greed, I don't know, what's greed? Robin Hood, maybe? That's quite interesting. Yeah, Robin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin is definitely pretty greedy. Um, a lot of people don't realize what that is, what, what's happening on Robin Hood as it's happening. They, they don't so realize they don't yeah. those stocks. Yeah, so so help me understand this, uh, you know, uh, Tim. Uh, monetization. Uh, you, I, I assume, pocket full of quarters is uh, economic model, and you're you're building on Clayton. And we'll get to that in a minute in terms of why Clayton and what your experience has been on Clayton, uh, as opposed to let's say a typical layer one NFT, Solana or Ethereum, whatever. Besides the obvious. Second thing I'd like to understand is token economic model. Does is the model monetization model for quarters is that you have an economic model that leads to certain tokens. And as you have this white label solution, then does that white label solution tie into your economic model to say, hey, you can no. go and build your software model or whatever. And as you build in, you connect to our network and we'll issue, or you, have to, you can use our tokens for your ecosystem. Is that how mm -hmm. this works? Yeah, so our, our model, 
for monetization is the minting of tokens, right? Because it's a consumer product and there's not a fixed supply, it, they, they're created in, in real time. And so every time a token is minted or a set of tokens is minted, we take a fee for that. Kind of like credit card processing. If you think of it like a credit card processor, it, it works very similar to that. And so, you know, we license our, our tech to, like, like you guys said, to different, different projects, to different games, to different developers. And we're onboarding them now with our, um, so I'm also the U.S. ambassador at Clayton, as you, you alluded to. Um, and I have a $500 million eco fund that I am able to invest in grants um, to developers and different projects along with, you know, uh, other, other wow. investors that I work with. And I, we can use that the fund to help bring people on chain and to bring people uh, into the POQ ecosystem. Yeah. So, so Mark, he's a new best friend now. He has, he has close to half a billion dollars of the tokens and we need to find a project that we can work on. So, so Tim, I'll, I'll get you offline with that. I, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, no, I think that's fantastic. And I, I tell us more about how you got involved, Clayton, because as you know, it's not mainstream layer one, but me and you have spoken in the past over coffee in terms of why Clayton and you've talked about with a lot of enthusiasm and Clayton, again, not being mainstream. Let's bring that to, to, to focus. Why Clayton? What has been your experience? And of course, if you're a US ambassador, you obviously have positive things to say, but how do you compare Clayton as a layer one protocol that's meant for only NFT and gaming to the Solanas and Cardanos and Ethereum of the world? Well, uh, you know, as you know, um, Polygon was a rollout of our company, yeah. right? A lot of people don't realize that we're, we're that old, that Polygon actually started with us. Dante was our original developer. He, we were trying to figure out Ethereum gas fees when there were 99 cents a transaction. How do you create a free-to-play game when it costs double, right? Most people pay 99 cents to get their first set of tokens. How can you do that, right? And so Dante uh, from his parents' ba basement creates Matic Polygon. Um, with us yeah. and, you know, helps us reduce gas fees to sub one thousandth of a cent. Now, <clears throat> with that being said, the fork of, of Polygon and, and others, there's a lot of copycats. They're all basically a fork of Ethereum, right? And that layer two has very bad issues with scalability. Um, we've watched Polygon break multiple times. Um, we broke Polygon probably four or five times. I think I've shown you graphs where we, you can see it literally go up and then shoot straight down because we literally broke the ecosystem. You know, when we're talking about what's happening, we're only, you know, there's, but I think that someone, I heard someone say there's about 200 million blockchain users in the world right now. That's not, that's so minute compared to the 8 billion sure. people in the world. Sure. And so we have to think in terms of transactions, right? How fast are these things going to happen in the future? You know, Polygon, and Cardano and Solana, they're all running about 12 million transactions a day. But POQ is doing 4 million by itself, right? And so 4 million transactions on any, on any uh, chain is, is pretty heavy. Well, Clayton is owned by Kakao, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, Kakao yeah. is the largest uh, tech company in Korea. You know, one of the big, big perks about it is not only do they have, you know, their blockchain and their crypto money, they have $59 billion in cash reserves. They have a ton of funding to make sure this stuff works. Um, and their scalability is, you know, second to none. You know, they, they've created nodes and, they, and they've created, you know, ways of basically it acts like an escrow system where transactions happen. Kind of like how Apple, Apple doesn't charge yeah. their credit card processor every time someone does 99 cents. They group them into blocks 
and then that block goes, and then they charge one transaction at a time, and then they 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 run it. It kind of works like that. So the escrow is is basically scalable because as you go, you can keep adding new blocks because it's all relative to time. And so as you're adding more people on chain, right? As more people start coming, it's it has nothing to do with how many transactions are happening. It has to do with how many transactions are happening per second, per minute. And then those blocks are then paid for all at once. And so the scalability is much, much better. Um, and, yeah. you know, Clayton has made a massive, massive uh, head forward into Metaverse. They Their whole focus on what they're doing in blockchain is Metaverse. You know, they have the $500 million eco fund that I, I alluded to. You know, what they're doing is building the gaming chain for, for blockchain. And I really love the second part was, is that they're chain agnostic. They don't believe that they're going to be the one chain for all chains. They believe you can't create a metaverse without all chain, all these different chains, all these different sure. um, pieces. And so, you know, they just share my vision and they, they are really the only scalable solution out there right now. It's interesting, right? Because I think lots of things are a bit more on that stuff. Like, for example, Clay, right? If you look at most of these layer two, which is Matic, as you mentioned, Polygon tied to Ethereum sidechain or optimism or any of the other sort of uh, ecosystem that's developing with layer two solutions, they still have a reliance upon ETH, which means that they used to use Ether as, or Ethereum as a single source of truth, which mm -hmm. sort of extends its value in terms of scalability. It's still tied to the, to the primary layer one protocol. So does it imply that then the POK has some relationship with Clay? Clay is the native token for Clayton, which means that the more tokens you issue, whether you do issue it directly in the ecosystem or through the SDKs that, that you talked about as a white label solution, the more POKs in the ecosystem implies more transaction volume, which implies more consumption of clay, which which sort of fuels the entire ecosystem from its valuation and token element. So how do you, is that the model first? And second thing is if that's yeah, the model, yeah, yeah. is so, Clayton designed for gaming and NFTs only, or I can use this as a transaction system for anything like a DeFi and, and yeah. you, you can use it for anything. And you're right. Yeah. So Clay sits inside of our smart contract and feeds as the purchasing price oh. of the quarters. And then the, so when you buy quarters with a credit card or with stable token or however you buy it, and then goes and purchases on our side with Clay that we have sitting in a, in a basically like a liquidity pool. And then it purchases it through and sends it back into the, into the back on chain, basically. It then pushes the quarters through. Got it. Got it. No, I think that's fantastic. So then the question, as you mentioned earlier with Takao and the thing, they want to be a premier gaming. And I think each blockchain, and there's a little bit of interesting evolutionary element happening in that space where some of them are trying to carve a niche for themselves in the context of we are the blockchain for this ecosystem. We are specializing in this. And this all down, boils down to not just blockchain, but specialization they offer. For example, POQ, you're offering a specialization for gaming ecosystem. Is it fair to then say that while Clayton is as a layer one protocol could be amenable to DeFi and decentralized financing and let's say cryptocurrencies in, in general, uh, have they carved a niche for themselves to say if they are chain agnostic, uh, is there a is there a thinking around interoperability, uh, bridging protocols natively, or you're relying upon Polkadots and Cosmos of the World to do that for you? No, they have a, a massive initiative for bridges, right? Um, so right now they've bridged to almost every EVM compatible chain, at least right. everyone that I can think of. And, you know, they're, they're, they're absolutely moving forward into uh, this chain agnostic theory. And, you know, for DeFi, I'm not sure how much people have built on it for DeFi, 
I'm not, you know, on that side of the thing, of the world. I'm not looking at DeFi as much as I'm looking at like video game and metaverse. And, but it absolutely could be used for it. I could be used for it. If Cardano could be used for it, I, I was saying if other EVM compatible tokens could be used for DeFi, Clayton could also be used for DeFi. I'm just not on that side. I'm I'm more on the games and metaverse side of things. So my job is to bring like NFT projects. So because of my background in gaming for the last decade, I've, I have access to licenses, right. To, to different, um, like different things like Crayola, you know, Warren Shores, a good friend of mine to upper deck to Hasbro, you know, I did all the Barbie games did all the Mattel games back in the day. So I have access to those licenses. And one thing we're, we're seeing in the NFT world is those licenses have not really been showcased on OpenSea or anywhere else. You haven't seen them yet. Right. Like Life Magazine doesn't have an NFT yet. Uh, yeah. Pablo Escobar doesn't have an NFT yet. Why? Because they don't know. <laughs> they don't. They don't trust people enough yet to do it. And you know, I've put together a team. You know, me and Mark Kaplan, who was the senior vice president of Sony for 35 years, head of consumer product and licensing. And uh, you know, Chris Cross, who was the creator of Medal of Honor and head of THQ and Activision and DreamWorks. You know, they trust our team and known us for decades, right? And so now we're going to bring these big licenses onto the Clayton chain, who is one of the three endemics to OpenSea. A lot of people don't know that either. OpenSea yeah. has three tokens that they work with, Clayton, Polygon, and Ethereum. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's, 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 that's right. So, so this is interesting. I never actually, I don't understand the licensing parts. You may have to tease that a little bit. What's interesting to me is this, right? So... And, and, and you mentioned this earlier as a transition of Web2 and Web3, right? This is the old licensing. So we're looking at a creator economy uh, purely in terms of, you know, semantic web, uh, which is looking into what Web3 is possible, which means that we're not simply going after information, but we're converting information to data, modernizing the data and, and, and sort of creating a data channel and a tokenized channel for, for movement of tokenized value. In that framing, um, how does the licensing infrastructure and licensing models of the web 2.0 world work as we are transitioning into the web 3.0 world because web 3.0 world is all about uh, empowering individuals and licensing historically has protected yeah. ip but it has taken away from empowerment of individuals yeah yeah i call it multiplicity um the power of multiplying is much more power than the much more powerful than the power of single and so the old model is let me license this one this one thing let's say mickey mouse to walmart to make a t-shirt but what's going to happen is we're going to create nfts and you're going to find like uh like an upwork or an etsy that's been created that has those nfts available that you can then pay a fee through the smart contract to license so then you have ten thousand people making a mickey mouse shirt and selling well beyond what you could ever have found at Walmart, right? You know, Walmart can only sell so much. They're, they're one supplier, they're one person. But if you create that multiplicity effect, you know, it, the, the dynamics of what will become licensing become far more extensive. And for them to get, they're, they're starting to get their mind wrapped around that idea that they don't have to wait for someone to pay them. They don't have to be, you know, they don't have to, the, the smart contract handles all that for them. They don't, they don't have to be guaranteed payment. It's all, it all just happens in real time. So if a purchase is made, right, the smart contract says you license this technology for me or this, this uh, logo or this whatever, it automatically would pay them, right? And so they're starting to understand how that's going to work. And I think what we're going to see is like websites like Upwork and Etsy and 
yeah. um, others getting a hold of these licenses as NFTs and then letting their operators use them, create new products um, off of those licenses. And I see. The, like I said, the multiplicity effect will very far outweigh what, what Walmart or Target or any of these small or these bigger conglomerates can do in licensing. Because you'll, you'll have people, you know, one, you'll have a thousand people that are friends with that person to buy that shirt, right? But you'll have that in effects of, of magnitude of 10,000, 20,000 people using the same licenses. Yeah, no, no, I think that, so, so this is, you're saying that you're like for the example of Hasbro and, and Sony, you have the licensing because of the work that you've done, you can reutilize the license in terms of converting NFTs, some rev share model that that licensing gave you the rights to do a few things. Yeah. So you're not infringing upon some of the previous intellectual property, but transitioning that intellectual property to the metaverse in its pure form. Is that the yeah. way to look at it? Yeah, yeah. you got oh, it. That's yeah. brilliant. Cre creating a revenue share via the smart contract that auto pays as soon as they get paid. It's all it's all going to be built in, even with credit card processing. You know, you don't yeah, have yeah. to buy it with cryptocurrency. It could all, you know, the beauty of our, our technology was going back to the OAuth, that web two to web three, you don't even know that you've created a hot wallet when you've created one. And it's automatically built into the back end of the system. You have your own crypto wallet with your own NFT wallet that's already being held for you sitting in our in our system. The same thing could happen on Etsy. The same thing could happen on Upwork and you know on different different websites that do stuff like this. And you could once you create your account, boom, creates a hot wallet. Once you then say, okay, I want the Mickey Mouse license, it then applies that to your hot wallet on the back end. And then when someone makes a purchase, the smart contract sends the payment straight to the licensor. It, yeah. It's all it's all super easy. And I think that's where we're headed. I, I think that's it's, it's exactly where we're going. Will they make it a lot more transferable then as well? Yeah, it makes it makes it a lot easier. Well, because transferability is just a click away, right? You can click on it and say, I want this this license. Boom, I have it. And all I gotta do is give a rev share back to whoever the license holder is. And it's automatic. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, by clicking on that that NFT, it's signing a contract. It's it's doing everything. You know, you can have a website, a web page that says this NFT costs this much, this much, this much, this much. If you do this volume, if you do this volume, it, it's all based on what the, the license owner wants, but it's gonna be very simple. Things are going to be one click away. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. So, uh, you know, market size, which is something which I have, both of us, Mark and me, have been grappling with. What is the market size of this? Because it's undefined. There's no real studies. There's still sort of a, uh, no pun intended, open sea of opportunities that lie ahead of us. And I also realize, I think uh, next week is South by Southwest as an Austinite. We both live in Austin. It's a big event for us. It started out in music, now it's movies, and, and one first week is technology, which is a massive blockchain sort of first week, which is next week, starting next week. So we will, you have an event, uh, and I'm speaking yeah. at that event, so thank you for the invitation. But I'd love to of sort of get your perspective in terms of what you want to achieve uh, one at the event, what are, you, what are you trying to get out of, whether you're representing Clayton or both pocket full of quarters and, and Clayton and, and, and the whole day event that you have, what do you want to achieve from this whole event? But at the same time, love to get your vision in terms of the future like five years from now what is the market size how do you expect quarters to grow and uh, you know land and expand type of models so love to hear yeah. that as well then no, no, i was saying there's about two two and a half billion gamers currently online you know that yeah the, the new projection is actually uh 3.5 billion gamers now um so about wow. half the world 
Wow. Uh, and so that's why it's such a focus of everyone on blockchain. But, you know, when it comes down to like, you know, my event uh, at South by Southwest or, you know, I'm speaking with like Mark Cuban at NFT Miami, you know, Gary V in Minnesota, like I'm going, I'm going to Paris to speak. The, the general, you know, the general idea of this is to educate the census, right? Yeah. We have to get education out there. We have to help people understand. I'm hosting a party at GDC, which is Game Developer Conference, um, with 50 of the biggest game executives I've invited to come and meet all the major chains. So I have like, you know, not just Clayton, but I have Polygon coming, we have Near coming, we have Harmony coming, you know, everyone that's doing stuff in video games, we've invited them to come. Because what I've noticed is, you know, I go to something like Ethan and people are like, oh man, you're like a god, right? You helped create Polygon, you did this, and you're, you know, y'all are great. Those people already understand. But you go to something like DICE, which is a licensing video game conference, yeah. and they're like, we understand we need to use blockchain, we're not really sure how to use blockchain. And so there's an education part that, that has to happen, right? It's so different. Like if you if you focus on what's happening at, at crypto conferences versus what's happening in the real world, it's not the same. And it, it, it all comes down to education. How can we educate the census? What can we do to build products that make it very easy to go from web two to web three? And you know, what is gonna help the at the core of it monetize and, and grow their, their businesses faster. And you know, I think if quarters does what Roblox does, we're looking at an eight trillion dollar industry within the next wow. 10 to 15 years. You know, Roblox, the, the revenue model from Roblox, and other people have said eight trillion too, which is kind of funny. So we came with, up with the same number just using Roblox's metrics. If we can get people to adapt quarters into the metaverse or their own tokens based on the quarter model, our white labeling solution, we believe the gaming ecosystem, the metaverse ecosystem is going to be worth about $8 trillion over the next decade. Wow, that's a big number. And Mark, obviously, if you're not in the 3.5 billion, me and you are on the other side. Well, I'm not a gamer, but I like to understand the tech and the ecosystem that's driving this, which is more from metaverse and blockchain perspective, uh, Tim. So maybe when we when we meet in Austin uh, this week and next week, you can convert me into being a gamer, which my son will absolutely love it. Uh, though I, I have no skills in that in that area for sure. Sorry, Mark, you had a question for Tim? Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, when you see that sort of, you know, potential market participation and, and increase in demand, like you must be seeing in some ways as well, a lot of, um, a lot of competitors, you know, obviously you've got, more. Mm, not, not not so much um, what we're doing exactly, right? Because uh, technically, well, you know, the utility slash stable token model that we've created, that we've gotten approved to become a consumer product, there's not really many people doing that. A lot of people are doing play to earn, which you know yeah. is, is borderline speculate speculative, right? Are they are they? And if it's speculative, is it security? And if it's a security, are they making illegal securities offerings? So a lot of people, it's a wild west in, in blockchain right now, right? People are, are doing things and they're acting, you know, and, and I think the best way to do this, the creator of Valve, right, of Steam came out and said, you know, I love blockchain, but everyone's a bad actor as of right now, right? As, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, everyone's a bad actor. And it's because right now you're seeing so many rug pulls, you're seeing so many, you know, dollar cash grabs, you're seeing so many people creating things literally for the for the speculative value and that's a security and that's a problem and we're trying to we're trying to be in the middle and show like look you can have 
like all this this technology and you could do it in a safe and compliant and interoperable way that's not against the law but yeah. you got to ignore those people if you if you keep looking at what they're doing and you put that to your model you're going to you're going to always think it's bad right so Gabe knows that, that that that's not right and everyone's a bad actor he literally came out and said it on Bloomberg but you know he understands that blockchain is going to be in video games and if you look at how big video games is as an industry right it's bigger than movies and music combined and tripled that's that's a huge industry already then you start adding in like fashion you start adding in all these skins that you're talking about music and licensing everything that's going into the metaverse and it starts to just grow exponentially it's going to be big yeah I've been saying it looks really exciting and i think uh tim you may have just inspired me to look much more deeper into both clayton ecosystem as well as the gaming ecosystem because yeah. anything with the gt even though i think billions have become fairly common number these days but uh but i think there's a massive growth especially this 3.5 billion uh, because everybody around me is technologists and we not many are gamers which means that i'm hanging in the wrong circle uh, for sure and i'd love to sort of expand that uh, horizons uh, next week and i think south by southwest is going to be super exciting because there's a lot happening I'm attending many of these things. So looking forward to connecting with you. We could go on for hours, uh, but I yeah. you know, just want to be cognizant of time, uh, Tim. It was very insightful. I think we learned quite a bit. Hopefully our audience uh, benefited from this as well. Any final parting thoughts before we uh, wrap this? Or any question for you, Mark or Tim? Uh, from me. So um, yeah, I was thinking just, you know, when you talk about three and a half billion gamers and, and the size, you know, you really put it into context. You know, I, I looked a while back, when I was in, in the VC space, we bought into XR games based out in Leeds, um, creating VR games um, for PlayStation. And I did a report back then, and it was only like two and a half. It was two billion, sorry. And and you know the size was kind of just kind of catching up with movies and whatnot. I think what makes this really interesting, the space, and why you guys are in such a good position, is that it's the rate of adoption. And I think gamers are very very open and very innovative and very open to adopting this technology. And they're kind of doing it already. They're kind of you know trading in skins and things like that. And I think that's what makes this, you know, such a, a massive opportunity. So I wish you guys all the best, and thanks so much for your your um, your feedback. I really enjoyed the videos on your website. Uh, the guy who pitched you the uh, meet the meet the Dwyer's, I think it's called. I can remember. Meet the Drapers. Yeah. Drapers. There we go. That was yeah, our first good. investment. Was Tim Draper, um, who's a you know a Bitcoin legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was really interesting, and it's 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 a brilliant product. So you know, thanks so much for your time and your insights. But is there anything else you'd like to finish up on? You know, I, I talked about the $500 million eco fund. So, you know, if there's developers out there, um, you know, projects out there, NFT projects out there, you know, DeFi, pro whatever it is, you know, I, I would love for people to send me yeah. an email, shoot me a, a deck. You know, I'm happy to, to take a look at anything and everything. Um, we're absolutely scaling the the plate and chain and, and the POQ, the POQ uh, universe. So if there's games out there, there's projects out there outside of gaming, I'm happy to look at everything. So. Uh, no, absolutely, and I think uh, we when we when we publish this, um, you know, on on various medias, I'll I'll make sure we mention that that you know that's open, and I think I'm working with two different projects in Austin. I'm happy to make the introduction as well. Um, but right. again, Tim, Tim, thanks again for sharing your expertise. Super exciting. Uh, again, that you've inspired me to look gaming closely, which I've always had with a with a distant uh, stick. Uh, but uh, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, looking forward to next week. And good luck with the project. Perfect. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please feel free to connect with either Nitin or myself 
on nitten at portal.am or derek at portal.am. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week. Bye for now.